Hey, this is Lions with Nostalgia Goggles News, and the forecast for today is... Doom! The The living room's dark save for light being cast From the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise That's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning So George, from now on I've decided that uh, the BFG 9000 is going to stand for Best Friend George 9000 Aww because when, when because when you wield me, we kill demons left and right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's that that is born born fruit and born true in, in many of our experiences. Um so what do we play? If, as I feel like there's anyone who's still like, I wonder what they played this time. They're they're not I mean, gonna, they're not gonna get a lot of this episode. <laughs> to be fair, if they didn't get it from the title, you know. Then, like, uh, yeah, I wonder fair, how many people Somebody goes in blind, right? Surely. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe they're just like, ooh, new nostalgia goggles. And they, like, just, you know, press the button to play and then put it down, you know, as they're cooking breakfast for their kids, you know? And then all... <laughs> and filled with regret. Yeah. Like, they just they just see the thing, they press the button, and they then they just hit the, the thing that says, like, cast to Alexa, you know? So that way it's, like, <laughs> filling their entire thing, and then we screamed at them. Yeah. But uh, we played Doom 2, the... I mean, they're really the proper Doom, you know? I mean, like, I know that Doom has had many iterations, but when people think of the original Doom, they think of Doom 2. Like, you don't think of Doom, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like Super Mario Brothers, right? You don't think of Super Mario Brothers. You think of... No, wait. Uh, <laughs> it's like well, Tetris, it's, right? You don't think of Tetris... No. No. Well, no, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers things hold is, is because when you think of Super Mario Brothers, you don't think of Mario Brothers. You think of super mario brothers oh yeah they really did like using the word super to mean the next one yes and then super mario world and then super mario galaxy and then yeah and then they 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 super mario universe next i guess odyssey came after that no that's that's no good for me that doesn't work for me no, it totally works because they could no longer be bound by physical law, so they had to go into Greek myth. Because mm. I would have liked like Super Mario Universe and then Super Mario Multiverse. I mean, and Super then, Mario Odyssey is pretty damn close to Super Mario Multiverse. Like, it is. Yeah, <laughs> but we didn't play that. We played Doom Two. Yeah, we did. So, uh, yeah, man. Um, when, when did this come out? Uh, this actually, so I was really relieved to see that this came out in September of 94 because I, all of my nostalgia goggles experience can be summed up as I played this on a windows 95 PC. Like that's, and, and I mean that in every way you could possibly mean a windows 95 PC. It was a gray Packard bell. They don't even exist anymore. It had the colored stripes on the front. You had to reboot it into DOS to play the game. Like it would launch from Windows. Windows knew you were going somewhere in the house to play a game, but it went somewhere you couldn't see from Windows, right? Like it was a very Windows in the early 90s gaming experience. And there's so much stuff we will get into that is kind of related to that unique you know, moment in history. Uh, but the biggest one is one of my biggest memories of playing doom two 
is that uh, I built a lot of terrible levels using the terrible level building software that came with it. And man, yep. were they terrible, but I did all of the classics, right? The level that instantly kills you, the level that doesn't instantly kill you, but is so ridiculously hard that it just grinds your PC's ability to play it to a stop. <laughs> Cause there's just like layers of demons in all directions. Uh, the level where you're up like on a little plinth and they're all down low and you just like spin in circles and right. The things a dumb 12 year old does, because that's what you do. Like that's, that is a lot of my nostalgia experience for doom is being at that terminal at that old writing desk in the corner of the dining room, making terrible levels. So I've got three, three main things I remember, which is one, um, when I also booted this, so yeah, I loaded the, the computer windows 95, right. And then I had to go into the DOS prompt. And then I, this is a de- the definition of like, I was a technician, not an analyst in the sense that I knew what buttons to push. I had no idea why I was pushing any of them, but I remember <laughs> I would pull up the DOS prompt and then type C colon slash doom and then enter and then doom two. And then it would, it would load the game. You know, I didn't know what <laughs> and DOS doom was. I didn't, and then doom happened, you know? Uh, so I remember that. I remember just using the cheat codes just all of the time, all the time cheat codes, you know, to the point where there were definitely some levels where I was like, I legitimately do not know how to beat this game without cheating. Like how, in the, how would somebody do this? So I was a little apprehensive going into this playthrough. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever beaten this game without cheating. Um, and then, uh, and then also using the, the, uh, level creator, but, um, I actually didn't didn't go the route you went. I more so recreated real places and then filled them with demons. So, yeah. So I don't know what that says, but uh, well, I'm just I'm just wondering: is it possible to measure the number of government watch lists you just put yourself onto? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably. but yeah, no. So I remember specifically, uh, I made one of my dad's office, and I remember that because I remember having to use learning the fact that there are, and this is something that I actually have in my notes, that there are invisible walls within Doom that only affect monsters to keep them in certain areas. Ah, f- um, fencing, yes, yes. So the really funny and and the the the, the side story they have for this is one of the things I was I saw so I was playing this game, and. Uh, and so I got to one area and there was a, um, oh, I, I do not know the names of all the demons off the top of my head. So, but anyways, the, the little pink demon, you know, um, mm, the, 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 the one that looks, um, like really big mouth. They're kind of hunched over. Yeah. I, yeah, I, like I kid, a bold demon. Yeah. I kid you not. According to the end credits, that demon is called demon. Nice. So yes. So, um, <laughs> And so basically I opened a door and I immediately took a step back with my shotgun and this little pink demon ran across the door- doorway and then ran back and then ran across the doorway and ran back. And so I'm sitting in my chair. So I turn over my shoulder. I'm like, hey, honey. So here's the funny thing is that um, there are invisible walls within Doom that keep monsters in a certain area. And then it hard left and started killing me. Like it ran out of the room <laughs> and started mauling me to death. And so I immediately blew it away with my shotgun and was like, huh, 
see, so I thought this is what was happening, but it turns <laughs> out that there was no fence there. I don't know why it hadn't queued into the fact that I was standing there, but uh, yeah, it totally could have gotten me at any time. But yes, so uh, yeah, I created a, 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 a demonized version of my dad's office with different demons for each person within the office scaling mm. to to eventually my my dad who was the the boss you know like he was the big cyber demon right you know and uh and i said this is the coolest thing ever obviously um i would like to give this to people to play and he said under no circumstances <laughs> <laughs> can you give this to my subordinates this you weird child, you know, like I can't say, Hey, my son made a hellscape of this office <laughs> where each of us is our own little demon in hell. And I just could not wrap my mind around why this was an inappropriate use of company resources. Um, I get it now though. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's maturity. That's understanding yeah. <laughs> as an adult, why when a child, your father said to you, no, you can't do this. Yeah. No, this is, a bad idea. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and you know, from a, again, like it's just the, the innocence of childhood where it's like, I just, I didn't mean it in a bad way. I was like, this is just a nice thing. You know, like I was thinking of people. It's like, yeah, I might not take it that way though. But yes, that was, that was my nostalgia experience experience for this. Uh, so I have yeah. a, a rare, um, promotional segue. So, Ooh. uh, you know, I, at the top, we like to take a moment to thank people for subscribing to the show. And if you haven't already done that, you should go leave us a review in the Apple podcast because apparently that still matters. And we do actually care, but it's weird that we're still beholden to Apple on this. Uh, and people following us and talking to us on Twitter. Uh, and here's here's my two things. Um, I was uh, tweeting that I was playing the game on Twitch and uh, someone replied to me on Twitter and said, um, wait, did you really play with the original controls? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he basically said, oof. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and then, yes. uh, while streaming on Twitch where you should also go follow me cause I stream other stuff, but a lot of nostalgic goggles games, uh, someone who had never, like they knew doom like colloquially and you know, just cause of the pop culture, but they'd never played it, uh, said, <laughs> what is with that terrifying face at the bottom of the screen? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's the HUD. And she was just like, but it, but, but why? Like, like, why is he looking around all terrified? Does he just look everywhere you go? And I was like, yeah, I guess this is kind of weird. If all of your games literacy is in modern games, like I was trying to see it through their eyes and I was just like, Oh, that's weird. So this is actually my segue into the visuals, uh, which is I really love the amount of mileage they get out of doom guy's face being at the bottom <laughs> of the screen because it tells you so much. It tells it you does. like his emotional state, right? Cause when you pick something up, he's like excited. When you pick up a gun, he looks the angry kind of excited. And like, you know, if he's hurt, he looks hurt. If he's really hurt, he looks really hurt. If he's dead, he looks dead. Like they tell you a pretty substantial amount of information through just that little creepy floating face up to and including when you are killing people, he grits his teeth and looks super pissed. When you go into God mode, if you get the pickup or if you use the cheat code, he becomes completely passive and emotionless because now he is above it all. And yes. like that level of detail 
just permeates throughout the game, but it's all all the examples you need of the love and love and care they put into all the blood and explosions and everything is like right there in doom guy's face. Yep. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. All the things you mentioned, I love, especially like you said, is if you, if you just hold down, you know, and just are firing like crazy, he will grit his teeth and lower his brows. And he's just kind of like, you know, like, I gotta kill these things, which is interesting because of the reload time on the uh, super shotgun. It's, two blasts more than two blasts of the super shotgun is you have now been firing consecutively long enough to trigger the gritted teeth oh my god face um but the one thing that i found uh, about the um the the face that i thought was particularly interesting is it will look in the direction of where the damage is coming from so if somebody mm-hmm. is shooting you on the left, he'll look to the left as he like is gritting his teeth and is taking damage. If the damage is coming from the right, he'll do the same, which is hypercritical considering like how little your viewpoint is and considering some of the enemy placement, which I'll get into later. <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean like if all of a sudden you're suddenly taking damage, you need to immediately know which which direction to wheel around in to then kill that demon because the way health is done is very interesting in this game which also is a mechanical thing and we will get to later but um i thought that that was really a great way to uh to give the player that information because um kind of what they did in later games is they kind of colored the screen more like the red would be on whichever side it was that you were taking damage in uh but uh, yeah, so I thought that that, that was kind of a, a thing of the HUD that I don't think that I knew necessarily as a kid. But again, like when all of a sudden Doom Guy looks in that direction, you you also look in that direction, you know. So it's not something that you need to consciously know that it's happening in order for you to. It's like you don't know what's going on, but your brain did, you know. So like <laughs> when it, it's you know, uh, like the, your your brain is pretty good at like there's no truly intuitive interface, but other human face looked in that direction. So I now want to look in that direction is pretty damn close to truly intuitive, right? It's just when, when one monkey looks at a sound, all the other monkeys also look where that monkey looked, even if they didn't hear the sound, right? Like it's, that's a pretty built in thing. And it's actually a fairly elegant solution because modern games, as you mentioned, like a lot of them do the like red, not always blood, but like, you know, red flash to the left. And that means you're getting hit from the left or whatever. Some games go super video gamey with it. And there's just literally an arrow like pointing like, Oh, they're over there. And it's like, ah, don't do that. Like that's the, the, the immersion breaking. And just like the, the doom guy, like looking may be a little more subtle than you might want, but the arrow is definitely way too on the nose, right? Like, Mm-hmm. And and especially when you're going for this like semi-realism of like, yeah, they're demons, but you know, they're made out of meat. And so like they still go down with guns, right? Like I always think of that line from uh um Rain of Fire where he's like, oh. you know, they're made of, you know, a brain, heart, and liver. Take one of these out and you bring down the beast. Like it's <laughs> you know, the, there's there are rules of the Doom universe and they they communicate that to you through a lot of normalcy right like he's when he's bleeding he's hurt right yeah there's a percentage in the hud but like the main way you get it is like he you don't look so good yeah 
And I mean, and, and and again, like that quick visual, like you can just quickly look at Doom Guy and be like, oh, I am, I am hurting. You don't have to. It's just a quick visual as opposed to like seeing a number and then having to do the mental calculus of like how much health do I have left? Um, especially because it's on uh, kind of like twenty five. It's it's twenty. Uh, so sorry, real, real fast. One thing to, that you said where it was the like you know take the brain, the heart, or whatever you you kill the beast. One of my other favorite ones is from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it's like an alternate universe, and Giles and Buffy don't know each other very well. So Giles says to Buffy, like, oh, there's a demon that's doing thing A, thing B, thing C. And she goes, like, got it. And she starts to walk away. He's like, don't, don't you want to know more about it? And she's like, I'm going to put a stake through its heart. She was like, he goes, like, but it's not a vampire. Be surprised at how many things that'll kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. True story. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but all that being said is that so um, the, the Doom Guy's face is in 25 percentage increments, right? So uh, 100% to 25% is looking good. Uh, 75% to 50% is uh, kind of looking around a little bit. I think it may be, it may be a little bit off. I, mean, I think maybe it's around 60% is when you go to kind of like haggard, red-eyed, you know? Mm-hmm. And then around 30% is where, you know, you go to bloody nose kind of looking around and then around 10 Fifteen percent is when you're like completely bleeding from the head. Just, but yeah. So basically, though, that correlates to uh, health pickups, right? Because a health pickup is a big one is twenty five percent of your health, right? So you can just quickly say like, "Oh, I am bleeding from every orifice that I know. I need three health pickups," you know, or "Hey, I've just got a little bit of a nosebleed. I probably don't." need to pick and and again like if you have no visual discernment whatsoever it's like then i don't need to touch that health pickup at all i may need it later you know like i don't need to constantly be checking the number i can just look at like quickly out of my periphery look at doom guy's face and say yeah i don't i am looking fine i don't need to pick up that med kit because it would be wasteful you know or at least that's one of the things i was doing well well in a place that that it doesn't exactly fall down, but hits its limits might be a better way to describe it is. And and I don't want to go too much into the mechanics of this. I want to talk about the HUD visually, which is the HUD displays a, uh, to the left of doom guy's face is your health percentage. And to the right of doom guy's face is your armor percentage. And this universe has meta packs and stim packs, which restore your health and then they have little blue potions, which are health bonuses. And a health bonus will put you above and beyond 100% all the way up to 200%, right? But logically, 100% is the most any one Doom guy can give. And, but it's his face doesn't... Like, once you're you're feeling fine, right, you don't look any different from that point. So if you have you know, say 90% or a hundred percent or 110 or 199% health. All of those visually look the same. And I don't really, I think like if there were too many visual gradations, that system would fall down. And Mm -hmm. so they kind of have to fall back to, we're going to just literally put your health on screen because we've chosen to give you this ability to go up to 200%. And so when you're looking around the world, if you check that little percentage and you see like, Oh, there's a stim pack over there, but I'm at 99%. I'm not going to bother with it, but a health bonus is always worth picking up because unless you have 200%, you can always use a health bonus, right? So there's like this weird 
this weird fight between the video game needs to give you video gamey information and they do that with a percentage and that's fine. And then also they clearly thought a lot about how to communicate this information visually, but that system doesn't expand to fill all of the mechanics they wanted to play with. Well, so to me, the normal looking doom guy face is don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's like if you're over a hundred percent health, it's not like you, you don't need to be worried about your health. Like you can get to a point very quickly that you do need to be worried about your health, but you know, like it's, you shouldn't be at that point scavenging for, for health. Um, and, and like you said, there's a lot of mechanics to get into on, you know, health pickups versus health bonuses versus med packs versus stim packs. Although one thing I do want to mention real fast is that, um, I don't know whether this game like was the first, but this game was certainly, I think one of the big ones that set the standard for stim pack as a health bonus, right? Because it wasn't until way later. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, stim pack that, that gives you health. A stim pack gives you health. Right. But like, it wasn't until way later, and I think it was Fallout that actually caused me to reflect upon this, where it's like a stim is a stimulant, you know? So the idea is that you're not feeling better. It's not healing you. It's just making you ignore the injury. So yeah, Drugs, not medicine. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, yeah, stim pack. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's how, how, how it heals you. It's like a med pack, and it's like, nope, two different things. Um, so that's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, one thing that I did want to touch on is, uh, just cause I, I don't think you can talk about doing without talking about it is, um, the, the faux 3d that they do with the enemies. Um, I think that that was very, uh, one is I think it was a hundred percent the call in this game because there is absolutely no way that the computer could chug a true 3d environment, you know, not, and be the game that doom was with as many levels, with as much expansion, uh, as, as, as it had as much gameplay as there was. I don't think there was any way they could reasonably, uh, have true 3d models. Um, but the fact that, uh, you know, they had, basically a, a profile view, a three quarters view, a dead on view, a dying view, like uh, an attacking view, all of these different things. Well, it, it conveyed a tremendous amount of information to you. Just again, off of just quickly looking at it. Like if you saw the monster at a three quarters view, then it was moving at a 45 degree angle. So you could know how to potentially lead your target so that way you could hit them. Like one of the things that I did not remember, but I remember now, uh, was the demons, the pink demons. Uh, they do not run directly at you, which would make them way easier to kill. They run at you on a zigzag, which makes them a huge pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, but you know, you see them at this three quarters view. So at no point, at no point when the enemy is moving, was I trying to kind of guess what their movement pattern was unless there's two enemies that kind of do and i think that that's intentional which is the uh um rocket launcher demon and oh, the the huge blob looking thing Ooh, you're thinking of the mancubus no um i was thinking of the um the one that's basically a skeleton with rocket rockets oh, on the shoulder yes yeah i hate those things yeah, cause, yeah, because he moves around like crazy fast. And the one that whose name I actually remember because of how much I hated this demon, um, the Archfile. Mm, uh, definitely the worst, which is why the whole game has like five of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, and, and if you set the difficulty up, there's way more, which I think speaks to it's like, man, I need to make this game more difficult. I don't know, man. Do you just throw in a couple more Archfiles? It's like, yeah, that would get the job done. Um, 
So, uh, so yeah. So anyway, so the fact that they use faux 3D, uh, and so these are 3D sprites in a true 3D environment, um, I think was done uh, done very well. And especially the fact that they used exactly which sprite was being presented to you to tell you where the sprite was go- is going makes you feel like an awesome demon slayer, even though they're really telegraphing to you like, hey, this is where this demon's going to be. When we when we first started playing. 3D, like actual, you know, 3D polygon games on nostalgia goggles. I remember learning the phrase from a listener uh, or the term billboarding, right? Which is mm-hmm. when you have a flat object that is in a three dimensional space, but you can't ever see it from the zero, you know, zero pixels deep side, right? You can never right. see it side on. And I think a big part of what's happening in Doom and, and games of this era is. It's not just how lovingly crafted the pixel art is because it's really good, right? Like just mm-hmm. the, the sheer quality of any static sprite is really high. And then they also took the time to generate the angles needed. So it's like, oh, you need to be able to see it straight on and at a 45 and then, you know, in full profile and from the back and from the back at a 45, right? Like they really spent the time to animate them because that all had to be done by hand it's not like you build one 3d model and then you just move the camera around it all of those are individual drawings but they really nailed when they essentially clip from size to size right because Mm -hmm. when you're looking at an enemy at a distance and as it's coming towards you if they don't sort of scale it at the right speed, you would be very aware that a piece of paper is slowly coming towards you, but because Mm -hmm. they scale it, which I'm sure on this early hardware was hard, but they scale it in such a way that it feels like an object with volume is moving through physical space, as opposed to a flat piece of paper is now just closer up against my eyeballs. And that's, I'm probably doing a really piss poor job of describing that. And there's a game dev listening. Who's just like, what is wrong with this idiot? But like the, the billboarding, the quality of the billboarding is a big part of why you don't think about that. They're all actually 2d sprites. They, they switch angle at the time that they should, and they get mm-hmm. bigger and smaller in a way that feels very natural. And if I remember correctly, uh, either Wolfenstein 3d or doom, but I think it's the original doom almost all of this technology was invented for this game by these developers, right? It's not that they were the first ones to think about it or that they were the only ones who ever tried it, but like they basically said to make this game look and play the way we want it to look and play. We're going to have to do things that have never really been done before. And Mm -hmm they really nailed a lot of it, right? Cause that you can imagine like, Oh, suddenly the enemy's bigger and then suddenly they're bigger and it. And they, they clip up at like weird intervals or they suddenly they're sideways, even though they're not really moving sideways, they're still kind of moving at an angle. Right. And that would make everything feel very like, um, like, like paper dolls, right? Like little kids putting on a play with like toothpicks or uh, not toothpicks, right. like uh, tongue depressors with, you know, googly eyes glued onto them. It, it wouldn't feel believable, but they just really nailed down that. Like, how do we make these two dimensional objects feel like, or how do we make these two dimensional pictures feel like three dimensional objects? And then on top of that, the art itself is also excellent. So like those two things, those are two great tastes that go great together. Like it just, it makes the visuals hold up incredibly well like shockingly well oh yeah absolutely and i think that uh 
Um, and I, I, I kind of had this in mechanics, but I think it could, could go as well in individuals, which is, I don't think that necessarily it's that doom created a lot of this stuff, but they absolutely did it with a degree of polish that, to this point wasn't really seen before you know so like somebody else may have been the first person to you know invent a cellular phone but this is like the smartphone where it's like yeah it's it's done but it's done in a way where it's just seamless you know um so the difference between and it was literally this is done in such a seamless manner that i was it was within the last year that i found out the difference between hit scan and projectile weapons and so that the fact that so the thing is that like the the guns right those are all hit scan weapons so they fire bullets but you never see the bullets they never render the bullets basically all they're doing is drawing a line from the tip of the barrel infinitely out and saying is does this what does this cross you know and if it crosses the line of a bad guy they take damage if it crosses the line of the object it does the little bullet poof animation you know to say like you you hit a thing right and that's it. Then there are projectile weapons that actually fire an honest-to-God projectile, right? And so the, the it completely, which, which can then be, you can move around. So if you are leading a target and it is a hit-scan weapon, you don't lead them. You shoot where the target is. If it is a projectile target, projectile weapon, you have to lead the target. But all of that just feels seamless because bullets move so fast and these enemies move so slow that you don't lead them you shoot where they are whereas with the rocket launcher you absolutely lead them because the rocket launcher feels like it should be slower even the plasma rifle which does shoot projectiles it those projectiles move faster but it is clearly a projectile so you'll you'll lead your target right and i think that and this does straight into mechanics a little bit which is um the types of enemies that use projectiles versus hit scan like the 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 number of enemies first of all the the fact that the visual is very clear on which type of thing they're going to use because caco demons always are projectiles they have one thing that they do they fire projectiles right whereas the the zombie soldiers they are hit scan you know and so the ones that are hit scan do way less damage because the ones that are firing projectiles you should be able to dodge that you know like if you get hit by a projectile it's way more egregious than somebody saw you turned in your direction pulled the trigger and there was really nothing else you could do at that point so um so the fact that they even at this early age said like look rendering bullets doesn't make any sense we are just going to basically the bullets are invisible just kind of like they are in real life but a rocket launcher that doesn't make like you'd want to see the rocket. So let's draw that and make it into a projectile and make it fundamentally behave differently. Cause otherwise the, the bullets would feel slow and clunky and the rocket launcher would feel weird. It wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right. So the fact that they did that, I think is pretty impressive. Well, and a lot of the projectiles are like magic or like hell, hell magic, hell miracles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hell magic. I'm going to go with hell magic. They're hell magic. Hell curses, right? Because miracles are, well, that, are heavenly, right? That was the joke. So, <laughs> when you, but like, if, you know, one of the, the big, oh! <laughs> you know, the, 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 what did you call them? The big sloppy things with the, they look like big blobs. They're big mancubus. Yeah, they're, they're the mancubus. They're gross, dude. They're super gross, and they make they, a gross they, noise. They are, but they, like the way you said that just really made me say, like, "I, I did not say that out loud." What, what, 
What did I say? I, but, uh, yeah, I'm because, saying they're sloppy. They're gross. So they're, they, they're um, and yeah. these are mancubi. Right. The, these are men. Yeah. There's a, there's a word for that. It's an incubus, which is why the band Incubus called themselves Incubus. But the, but no, this is a mancubus. <laughs> but this one goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> But they they fire like it it's it looks like a magical spell of fireball, right? Even though it comes out of mm-hmm. what looks like a rocket launcher, it's like a magical kind of spell, right? Like it's a it is a solid fire blob that comes shooting out, and there's a lot of that, right? The the I think it's the caco demons, right? They they're it's like a big magical looking ball of plasma that comes like shooting out of their mouth, and so it makes sense mechanically that these things need to be visual so that they're dodgeable unlike the bullets, which are hit scan. But I also think it makes a lot of sense like in how your brain is perceiving the world visually, because it would be weird if the caco demon had a pistol, right? Like it just, it just wouldn't make any damn sense. Like the zombie soldiers have guns because they're soldiers and they carry guns. The terrifying demons from hell have terrifying demon from hell magic because they don't have thumbs and can't hold firearms. Right? So like it's, there's a, a kind of visual consistency that's happening that whether, you know, whether the visuals came first and then the mechanics, happily followed or the mechanics came first and the visuals happily followed or if they grew up as neighbors like they fit together in a way that's really logical like i I, Mm -hmm. that feels stupid to say about magical hell demons but like it it wouldn't make any sense if whatever the caco demon did instantly hit me because that's just not how my brain perceives this floating death orb like i should see the thing that's hitting me come out of it and maybe have time to like do a heroic leap to the side, right? So like it, well, it somehow makes sense visually with, with what you expect to be seeing. Well, and it also works with the, uh, the difficulty curve as well, because like as the difficulty rises, you see more and more projectile weapons because they do way more damage. You know, the only, uh, demon that actually uses hit scan is the, uh, um, spider mastermind. And it is terrifying, uh, because, Oh, it's the, it's the, no, I, I so remember, I'm just trying to remember which, cause that's one of the few enemies that has like two or three attacks, isn't it? No, um, no. So you, what you're thinking of, I think is there are the little arachnid demons mm, that have yes. the plasma rifle. And then there's the mama mm. that has the Gatling gun <laughs> strapped to its belly. And, uh, and it has no compunction, especially on the level, um, gotcha, which just great, <laughs> great level name because it did. I got got in the sense I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm just going to press this button and no, it's a cyber demon and a spider mastermind. I probably got. To, I did not have it. I don't. <laughs> not even a little. Um, I, I I definitely had to do some saves coming there, which uh, is another thing that <laughs> is worth talking about later. Um, but uh, no, it's true. Yeah. So um, so it, it makes sense as far as the progression goes, right? Because you know the things that hit harder and harder are firing projectiles, which means that those projectiles hit harder, which feels right because they're big giant demons and the game is getting, and as the game gets harder, you see more and more demons, especially as you are spending less and less time on the material plane and more and more time in the nine hells of a tour. So <laughs> as this goes on, yes, yeah, so it makes sense from a scaling point as well. So just again, it, it, it just all feels right. 
which is great. There's one thing about the visuals that I do want to make mention of because it's more like a ah, we see you there, which is just the TLC, uh, the polish, the high level of love and affection that went into a lot of the visuals. It's not actually present in all of them because things that are just like generic textures like brick or stonework or wall. Some of them are like lazy, almost to the point of being frustrating. (laughs) But the thing is, I only noticed them under certain circumstances and I'm going to leave all the, that for mechanics because I will likely go on a long whole thing about that. But most of the time you're not in a situation where you're just staring at the walls. And so the fact that they are not resplendent isn't really that big of a deal. And they invested all of their time and, and art budget into the things you should be looking at and the things that should matter. But the only place then that that spills over is, you know, generic light fixture number three looks completely unremarkable, but demon light fixture number three has the same love and care put into it as the enemies, even though it doesn't do anything. It's not interactable. It's just wall art, but it's, it's funny that like the more mundane something is, the less they clearly cared about it. And the more (laughs) like demonic and metal it is like, that's where they put all their effort. And, and even in something as mundane as like, Oh, this is a wooden wall. This is a demon wooden wall. And it's like, Oh, that one got the polish. (laughs) Like that's the one they, they spend time on. So, you know, I, I get it. Like it, it totally makes sense. But if you are in a situation that I will probably talk about later where you are just staring at walls for some reason, you're like, Oh, this is, this is pretty uninspired. This is some serious MS paint quality brickwork. <laughs> First, I need more towels. Secondly, I demand more towels. And third, I demand more trowels. The brickwork in this place is a show. Um, yes. So all of this is true. Um, so actually, that is my final note for visual, which is that um, it, it is, and this is probably the the mechanics thing that you're you're, you're talking about, which is it is not clear um, what doors you can and cannot open. In the sense that, like, there are definitely surfaces that are meant to be opened that there's just absolutely no indication that you should open them. Now, um, that being said, is that a lot of the time, they're secrets, and that's done intentionally. Even though still a secret should have some kind of a telegraph, that way I'm not walking around going, uh, 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 on every single wall, that's time-consuming and not really what they're hopefully going for. Um, But there are a handful of times where absolutely you've got to, like, it's, it's core to the game. Like, you need to be able to know that this nondescript wall A is interactable or that you have to shoot it to open it, which is also super frustrating because I would say the half dozen times where I needed to go online and be like, okay, what, what, what am I doing here? Like it was because it's like, oh, I needed to this thing that looked like a door that I was trying to hit space bar or the X in this case to, to open and it wasn't opening because I had to shoot it. Why? would I think to do that? You know, there was absolutely nothing that made me that, that, that made it unique to point like, Oh, these are doors that I shoot, you know? Um, and then also too, there are some of them where I was like, Oh, there was just no indication that that was a surface that I needed to interact with in any capacity. So what the hell? So yeah, that, that was definitely a source of frustration for me with this game. And they, they clearly thought about it because there's a, 
I don't really know how to describe it. There, there is a certain kind of texture that almost every single time you see it, it indicates that if you interact with it, the there'll be like an elevator, right? The floor will go up or down, right? You know what I'm talking about? The like brown and black vertical stripey thing. Yeah. Like that, that is reused a lot. And so this Mm -hmm. is something they, they obviously thought about and it sounds like we're a little bit on the same page with this. So I'm going to save all that discussion for mechanics and I'm going to uh, use your reference to the (laughs) of trying to explore the world as a nice little transition into audio. Yes. Yeah. No, it's uh it, so yeah, that that was one of the sound effects and and literally I've got under my audio notes humping the walls, you know, because like that's what it is. Like you just go around like eh, eh. Now, to be fair, um I am very glad that they put some kind of an audio cue to the fact that it's like no, we acknowledge the fact that you have hit the space bar. This is not going to work, you know? Cuz otherwise I'd be saying I'm like is it Am I doing it right? Am I is it registering? And it's saying like, no, 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 you're you're doing it right. This is the wrong thing to be doing here. Uh, but then when you couple that with the fact that the way they've laid out secrets and some of the level design is such that it it's kind of like it's the the video doom equivalent of burning every butch bush in uh, the Legend of Zelda. Totally. You know, where it's just like gotta burn every bush because I don't know which one has a secret. Gotta hump every wall because I don't know which one has a secret. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i mean that was uh i and again like i'd say i would say there was immersion breaking but there was only a small handful of times when it caused the game to come to a grinding halt most of the time i was doing it because i was looking for secrets and i was kind of breaking the immersion myself on that front you know where i was like i am going to comb this level because i want a hundred percent on the secret score um so eh. But at the same point in time, the fact that there are a handful of times where they're like, nope, hump all the walls. You got to hump all the walls. I'm like, I don't, I just wanted to get through this level. I just, I didn't care. Yeah. So that, that was very frustrating. Although, although I, I think it's interesting that you pointed out it's information that that wall uh, is not going to respond favorably to your advances because when you try to open <laughs> When you try to open a locked door, like if you don't have the blue key, you get the uh noise, but it also says on the screen in literal words, you need the blue key to open this door, right? So that's an important additional, that's an important bit of additional information because if it just made the uh noise, you could reasonably assume like, oh, I guess this thing can't be opened. This door can't be opened. So they have to in some other way, they chose to go with literal text on the screen, communicate to you, no, this thing can be opened. You just can't open it right now, which is why you're getting the uh, can't open this or interact with this noise. So like they, again, they clearly did think about that, right? Uh, What I don't love is some of the audio cues are important to exploring the level, but are delivered in a way that is the minimum amount of helpfulness And the best example I could think of this is uh, you go down a long hallway and you push a button or you flip a switch or you interact with a a face on the wall or whatever. (laughs) Yes. And you get that amazing doom elevator, doom door, doom thing moved noise, right? Because those noises are, they're super iconic, like weirdly iconic. In fact, I've played other games where I'm like, did they steal the doom door noise? (laughs) And it's like an obvious ripoff of that sound because it's just, it's so iconic. And yeah. 
but knowing that that happened isn't really enough information, right? I I almost yeah. wish they had some standardized text that was like a door opened far away or you heard a door open or you hear a door open off in the distance. And it's like, Oh, off in the distance means it's really far, far away means it's kind of far. And you hear a door open means it opened in your immediate vicinity, right? Some something, right? Because they didn't have anywhere near the audio technology to say like, Oh, well, we'll play this at a slightly different volume or we'll do this or you'll hear the direction that it's coming from in 3d audio. I get that they didn't have any of those capabilities, but some of the later levels are big. Like they're really big and hearing the enemies make noises to indicate that they are still alive or that there are still enemies around. Like that's really useful, right? It tells you something about the world, knowing that a wall opened or a door moved or an elevator came down or something that's super useful, but a a little bit more, on the on the moving walls and the moving doors and the elevators and everything would just really help to not getting that lost feeling because they're they're obviously trying to tell you they're trying to say oh the world has changed now yep. you can do something you couldn't do before but it's like go figure out what that thing was well and I think that that to me I, I agree with you I and I think that though to me I pinned that less on audio issue and more on shaky level design in the sense that when you open the door and you hear the noise it is not clearly evident to you what in the world has changed so to me instead of saying you know like a door far in the distance just opened more so like when you first see this thing that it it has to clearly be a door which we've already said they struggle with right (laughs) um you know that it's got like a skull on it and then when you go press the skull button, you know now, ah, that probably opened the skull door. Or if they don't want to do any of that, then the thing that you, the button that you push, it has to not, like, like literally the only way to, to leave this room is back the way you came. And it is going to be painfully obvious what changed. Like an entire wall has dropped down, which they do a lot, where normally behind that wall there were many, many demons, you know? But um, just something like that. So to me, it was more like, I think that the audio was where it needed to be. Again, it would be nice if they could, you know, have stereo surround sound and be like, oh, it's coming off in the distance from the left, you know? But uh, like you said, that technology didn't exist. But to me, it's more of a, a failure on, like the, the audio cue did the right thing. It fed you the information. The problem is that the level design doesn't allow you to do anything with that information other than to say, well, something changed. Um, well, and this, this is a, I, either of our solutions would work, but they went with neither, right? They could, right. they could either keep the sprawling, confusing level design and then give you a little bit more information about where, like, should I look in my immediate vicinity, the middle distance or way off in the distance for what part of the world just changed? Like feed that to me through text or through some something, you know, some, some way to get me that information or change the way the levels are designed so that you don't have to feed me that information directly because I will trip and fall over that information just by leaving where the, the place I pressed the button. Right. And, and they didn't, they didn't go with either of those. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this now just as a teaser, because I've had to literally hold in this phrase. Um, and this is basically the central tenet of all the mechanical things I'll have to say, which is this game knows it's a video game 
and is really proud of that, right? Like the people who made this game are knew they were making a video game and were fine with that. Like they're fine with the video gaminess. And so the fact that they don't tell you where to go look for the change, I don't think is actually an oversight, right? So like they could have through level design or through, you know, text cues or through God knows how many other design choices communicated this button that just made this obvious elevator noise or this obvious door noise, or now you can hear demons you couldn't hear before, which means something released demons into the level. Like you get all this audio information about what changed and, and then it stops right there. And I don't think it's an accident. I just disagree with the decision. Well, I think that that that's, yeah, that you did on is I think that the decision was um, deliberate because uh, that this, that type of thing of like comb the level inch by inch, pixel by pixel to figure out the thing that changed. That was pretty common back in the day, you know? So, I mean, like, I think that they they were like, this is fun, right? People like doing this. And it's like, nope, not only is it not fun, but it's, it's counter to the, you know, kind of action based uh, pacing of the game, you know? Um, So I definitely think that this is, this is one that, that did not bear out over time. Um, because I bet, yeah, I think that they, that they did it on purpose is they were just kind of like, okay, well, you know, we gave you a lot of like action packed demon stuff. Now we need to give the player a break. And, you know, now you can kind of go through the level and kind of see this little puzzly thing. And it's like, yeah, that's true, but you made it too hard. So now I've spent 15 minutes combing all over this level as opposed to the one minute I needed to recover from this demon fight, you know? So, uh, so yeah, so I think that, and again, this is way strewn in the mechanics, but um, but yeah, I do agree that that the audio cue is is there. The other, uh, there's two other things I want to touch on with audio. One is that every every demon has its own little sound effect noise that it makes to make you let you know where it's there, and that is hypercritical information that is constantly being fed to you, and it's awesome. You know, so like the little like. Of like that the demons that the the human esque demons make like you're like okay all right all right I got that and then the little imp noise that you know like you're like okay all right and then there's like the Baron of Hell noise where it's just like a trumpet going off you know where you're like <laughs> oh my god you know like but but that's the that's that's what you want right because like it has gotten real now you know the the raspy kind of like of the caco demon you know you're like all right all right i think i think i can handle that um but the the ones that like uh really got me were the baron of hell that made that you know huge trumpet noise and even though it's not a particularly visceral noise but the um that whoop that the mancubus makes like i was like oh god like because they, they will eat your lunch yeah, no, if you, you let them get away you from learn it. to fear that noise right because your brain is like the first time is like oh that's a weird sound and then like any good, you know, animal that wants to survive, your brain eventually associates that sound with dying over and over. Then <laughs> you're like, oh, what that sound means is I'm about to get my lunch at, right? So the, the sound becomes terrifying. It doesn't start out terrifying. It's a little like unnerving and otherworldly, but it becomes terrifying. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that, that literally, because I remember that, you know, oh, there's just like an imp sound, you know, and this, and, and you know, so I, I remember that like some of the demons had their own sound effects, but I didn't know that, I didn't remember that all of them do. And again, you know, when you're walking around at like 13% health and all of a sudden you hear like one of the enemy noises, it does, you can like literally, there have been times where I've paused 
and then went back into the level to like look for some more health because I'm like I'm not in a position to handle this problem right now, you know. So I mean, it's uh, hypercritical that they give you that. Um, and so one other thing that I do want to say actually about the music, um, which is that so the music is actually very relaxed, right, and very flowy um, at which first. Is not what you, <laughs> which is not what you but even when it gets like more intense the 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 pace of the music isn't like it's not like 200 beats per minute or anything like that it is very even though the music is intense it the music the tempo of it flows so i actually happened upon this information when i was watching a video about doom 2016's music design that i think bears on this which is that when the guy was originally doing the music design for this he originally did it as like super turbo rock and the problem is that when your brain is trying to um oh no this this is a good segue so when you're um this game does a good job of like managing cognitive load in the sense that they're like okay we're gonna ramp up all but you're doing constant calculations per second of like i gotta move here and then do this and then do that you know it's like it's all very small decisions but they're very quick decisions that you're making you know and they're giving you space in which to do that if while that's happening 200 beats per minute of like drum slamming audio is ripping through your ears at the same time it's not intense it's annoying Mm. you know it actually makes you hate the game because you're like i can't think over this this insane amount of audio noise that's being thrown at me at the same time it's disruptive so actually the pacing of the music is very slow paced the music can be intense but the actual amount of mental bandwidth it's taking is super low and that is deliberate and i think that that is fascinating so i'm i'm really glad to hear you say that because the way i came to this was uh like I, you know, you went into the the jungle with a zoologist who was able to <laughs> explain to you, like, you know, why the animal looked and behaved a certain way, and I just went in and went, "Ha, that one looks funny," <laughs> because, because what happened is, um, so the the version I played like an honest to god MS DOS like original Doom Two, right? Like what I would have played as a as a kid, because there's a billion versions, and again, we'll get to that, but. Um, I, for whatever reason, the version I was playing, the music volume was set super low. So Mm. it was set to like 50% of the sound effects volume. And so I would turn it up to hear the music. And then I was like, Oh God, the sound effects are so loud. And then I don't know why it's just, I was like, wait, I could probably change that. And so then I went and rebalanced (laughs) it. But before I did that, I just looked up the soundtrack on YouTube. And so I'm now totally separate from any other visual, any other audio information, any sensory information I have to process or do anything. I'm just listening to the music. And I was like, why is it like elevator jazz? (laughs) Like, (laughs) especially in the first episode, because the, the music essentially amps up a little bit at each episode crossing like right before and then right after the new episode. Um, and so I, I was like, uh, this is like not just calm, but like calming, right? It's not just mm-hmm. slow music. It's like not intense. And it, even by the end, like you said, it it doesn't ever get super like heavy metal, right? That you, and you would expect it based on the visuals. You'd be like, Oh, any minute, the guitars and that the double bass pedal on the drum set is going to come in. And it just it never does. It never gets there. And when you're playing the game, it all feels great. And I, I didn't understand why, but it feels totally fine. 
where you notice that it's not totally fine is if you kill all the demons and you don't know which wall to hump and you're lost and now <laughs> there's no demons making their very useful demon sounds and there's no gunfire covering up the music that is when in the game the music like you you see the man behind the curtain right during gameplay that music is apparently very intentionally chosen and that's amazing when you're not playing the game but you are trying to play the game and you're lost that's where the music fell down for me and i was just like oh i uh i'm really aware that i'm in this stuck elevator and they haven't turned off the music yet <laughs> right so there there's like this this weird kind of like some of the visuals where a projectile weapon flying at you it's really useful that you can hear like the the imp demons the little like whoosh noise that their little fireballs make because if they're behind you and you hear that noise you may strafe out of the way and feel super cool for it but the uh the 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 man corpus um their little fireball has a tail but they didn't do eight different versions of that animation and so if you jump out of the way of that but you're still sort of looking at it you might see it awkwardly snap from like front on to profile because they didn't they just didn't bother to you know do the extra frames of animation and so like again you you see the man behind the curtain you're like oh that's that's not a three-dimensional object at all but you're being shot at so you don't have to dwell on it for very long before you have to like go do other things but if you get lost you might hear that music for a long time, like a long time. Right. And then you open, you know, Reddit or game facts or whatever to go look it up. And it's like, now the music's playing in the background, continually mocking you while you're trying to figure out which <laughs> wall to hump. And it's like, so that I, I actually really enjoy this music and now I'm even more fascinated by it, but I was surprised like how much it falls down when there isn't the rest of the game happening. Yes. No, it is definitely like, it, it's almost like music. Um, so sorry, we, we've said it now. Uh, that's basically all I have for audio. But we the, the, the last kind of note I'll put on that is we because we keep saying like you know oh yeah you know you had to you know you hump the wall right. I just realized what that makes me think of, which is it's um it's Rick and Morty, the one with Fruity Land, you know, where it's like like I have killed all of the demons and I do not know which door to open next, and all <laughs> I can do is hump. I will hump this wall. I will hump this demon corpse. I will hump. <laughs> I will hump this exit sign and put my seed in it. You know, like that's, that's exactly the feeling where you're just like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to hump everything and then just see what happens. I don't have the time or skills to put doom guys face into that scene, but, but if somebody wants to do that, I will figure out some way to reward you. But, uh, mechanics. Yeah, upward and onward to um, and I already said it, but I just I need to reiterate this game came out from people at a time in history and on subject matter where the video gaminess of it is not a drawback, right? And that ripples out across everything. All of the decisions they made, you have to be aware of the fact as the player that they know it's a video game. They know, you know, it's a video game and they're like happy about that, right? Like it's, yeah. they're super jazzed about it. And, and the place where I think that has the most negative side effects 
is in the level design, which in my notes, I have literally called troll level design because there's a lot of places where you do just have to hump a nondescript wall or you do have to shoot something that every other time you've interacted with it, you had to use the interaction button, not the gunfire button. And even that they go extra far to screw with you because some guns won't trigger those things. You have to use hit scan guns. You can't use projectile guns. So it's like there's so many things where every time I humped the right wall and then the thing moved and I was just like, <sighs> I could he- practically hear John Romero go, <laughs> like I, <laughs> it just, you can, you can feel his desire to troll generation after generation after generation of gamer with every smirking smarmy crappy design choice because they're there on purpose. They're there because it's a funny video game thing to hide beating the level behind a wall. It's a funny video game thing to make the exit from this one level look like lava. And it's like, Oh, we're going to make the player step into lava because that's literally the only way to get out of the level, right? Like there's just so much of that. And honestly, by about midway through episode two, I was like, I'm getting a little tired of them, the developers trolling me from 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, definitely they do that. And so the version that I played was the uh, version made for a PS4, which had um, two main, two, I mean, probably several small, but like two main differences. One of them was the controls, which I'll, but you get to next. Um, but uh, the other one was that, and it took me longer than I'd like to admit as somebody who reviews video games to realize that they made this change, but they definitely realized, you know, some of the things that did not age well. So they've, they made very, very, very few changes. But one of the changes that they made was that when you interact with a wall that you can shoot, but you can't interact with the interact button. Um, the PlayStation controller rumbles a little bit. So, uh. Yeah, so they just, they again, like, it's still subtle, so, like, you've got to be paying attention, but there is something that tells you, no, 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 you're not done here, you know? Like, so, like, when you're going through and humping every wall, which, so you're still getting that part of the gameplay, right? The, <laughs> the all I can do is hump. So, um, you know, you're still going through and doing all of that, right? But then when all of a sudden it gives you a little bit of a, of a goose, you know, you're like, ah, okay. So then, like, you shoot the wall, and then all of a sudden it opens, and you can go through it. So, um so again, so it's it's like even the people who are porting the game, they're like, yeah, this this part wasn't very fun. Let's do something about it. Um, and then the other big thing was the fact that uh, you know when I was playing it, I was using a dual analog stick, um, and you were using the original controls. How was that? Yeah, so let's talk about the controls. Um, the original controls are. So- we're about to go on like a real journey. Like, are you, do you have snacks and water? Have you gone to the bathroom? Cause like a whole, whole thing is about to happen. So, uh, hang on, hang on. Then in that case, if you're going to do like a whole thing, uh, let me go ahead and, uh, and save my game and I'm going to, I'm going to go to the clear spot. So I'm just going to see how so far in the conversation, what percentages I've gotten (laughs) on, uh, on on you know like like bonuses for observations uh for visuals audio and then uh gameplay uh so give me one quick second all right 
hundred percent on kills, a hundred percent on items and only 50% on secrets. You know, I mean, it took me 15 minutes and the par time was 30 seconds, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I decided cause you, you were the one who suggested this game and I was like, Ooh, doom two rock on. And I decided uh, I was going to play the OG, right? The original emulated in DOS box, right? The whole sad thing. And the controls are so dated that I had to look them up. Like I had to open the options and be like, what buttons do what? Because the buttons that I thought would do things don't do things. And some of the buttons that I thought would do things do unexpected things. And so actually had to go into the options and literally read the list and be like, okay, this button does this, this key does that, this thing over here does this, but I'm not sure when I'll ever need to do that, but it's listed here. So I guess I need to internalize this, right? There's, they're really bad and they're placed in a place on the keyboard that makes it because I have a wrist rest on my keyboard that makes it impossible to sit with your hands comfortably. You end up with these weird claws on, mm-hmm. on the bottom of like the Pac-Man claw. Yeah, really not good. And I just, I decided I was like, okay, I'm like, this is what I'm here for. Like this must be how I played this as a kid. Cause I wouldn't have had any way to do anything different at that time. So I'm going to, I'm going to just suck it up. Well, the truth is I made it about an hour like that before the back of my left hand started to hurt so bad that I was like, okay, I now have all the information I needed about the original controls, which is their game breaking. I literally cannot play the game. I can feel the RSI settling into my tendons. So, uh, I stopped that because I was like, I'm not willing to cripple myself to, to give an honest review of this game and coward. Well, <laughs> I stand by my choices. Um, <laughs> live to game another day. So uh, what this turned into is now I needed to find a version of the game that had more modern controls because I still wanted to play it on my PC. So I didn't want to get the PS4 version, right? I wanted PC controls, even if they were modern PC controls, as I wanted PC controls. And this is where I learned about the unbelievably vibrant doom modding community. So there is not just a version or a couple of versions of doom that have been modded to be more modern. There are like, Several dozen and that panoply yeah, just an unbelievably generous outpouring of because I mean, they're all free, right? None of this costs any money. Anyone can just get the original code for the game because that has actually been released for free. And then you can get one of these custom engines because they don't have the right to distribute the game, but they can make an engine that will play the game, right? And then you get things like mouse look where the mouse does modern shooter things and where the controls are where you expect them to be on the keyboard, not shoved down in the bottom left corner for seemingly no reason. Right. And where the frame rate has been unlocked. And so it will play at modern frame rates because the original frame rate is actually, it's not unplayable, but it's, I mean, it's choppy. Right. And that's like on the PS4 version, you were surely playing with a modern frame rate, which is not a, it doesn't make all of the graphics magically better, but it does make them easier to digest. Right. And so uh, essentially what I will say about the controls is they are unusable. Like nothing about the controls has survived 
even beyond just this game. Other games that use the Doom engine use more modern controls like uh, Heretic or Hexen or whatever. Like even games that were still using this same technology were like, whoops, that none of that was a good idea, right? So um, if you're going to play Doom 2 and and we'll get to our judgments of the game, but like if you are going to play Doom 2, uh, I'm going to actually put in the show notes a list of all of the different versions and what's different about their versions. And I recommend one called doom retro because literally all they did was unlock the frame rate and give you modern controls. And so however you remember this game fondly or not, that version will play more like you think you remember it. And then you can either have a good time or have a bad time, right? But, but all of the other versions are like particle effects and rock music and more monsters or more different weapons, changed graphics and all this other stuff. And like, that's, that's fine. If that's what you want, super generous modding community will let you hump walls in whatever resolution you're into. But if you want something as close to the retro experience as possible without feeling like your hands are going to be permanently gnarled claws, uh, doom retro is the one that I got, uh, the most bang for my buck out of, which was $0. So it's like an infinity ratio of, of bang to buck. <laughs> um, yeah, the controls are just bad. They're unusable. They're unusable. But what was it like to play this with sticks? Because to me, this is a quintessentially PC game. I've never played any of the modern dooms. So when you were like, Oh, I'm going to play it on PS4. I was like, with the controller. <laughs> like how? Um, really well. So yeah, to, so to your point, like, yes, the controls are fundamentally broken. I mean, basically the, the way I kind of look at it is it's kind of like saying, oh, well, if I want to play this game, I've got to play it with the original code uh, on the original software. It's like, yeah, but Windows, there's no computer anywhere anymore that runs Windows 95. If you try to take Windows 95 version and dump it onto any modern software, it is just going to break immediately. You can't play it. This is the exact equivalent of that, except that the modern hardware is your brain. And so, (laughs) you know, like literally you have now upgraded to decades of proper first person shooter controls. So your you you your brain software cannot is not backwards compatible to this it just isn't it's just so it's like if you want to play this game in any capacity you gotta you you have to use modern controls like don't and and to be fair this game is popular enough that it's like you almost have to go out of your way to do it wrong you know where it's like if you if you want to play the true OG original Doom, you kind of have to hunt for it because everybody was like, ooh, no, that's that's bad. Why would you do that to yourself? Um, so actually playing with the analog sticks works really well. Uh, the, the one thing that is odd is that, and I've got it in my note, is that um, there's no y-axis some of the modern versions of the game will let you do full mouse look where you you can do because on the keyboard you actually can look up and down and i guarantee you that there's some janky button combination on the ps4 controller that would let you look up and down it's page up and page down on a keyboard right because that made sense in 1994 but like now if you're playing on a pc you expect to be able to just move the mouse with dual analog sticks if I move the stick up or down and I don't get that response, it would feel appropriate in doom and broken in everything else. It, it honestly it took me maybe, I don't know, two minutes to like just suddenly adapt to that because I remembered that, um, 
there's aim assist in the sense that like if you are in the same if you are on the correct x axis it doesn't matter where on the y axis it is it's gonna the projectiles will auto aim and that actually brings me to so so to, to answer your question it worked surprisingly well because my brain just immediately said uh you know no y axis got it and then just moved on with life you know um the fact that there is no y axis does two things one is there is fairly generous aim assist in this game you know which i kind of liked because definitely i'm sure that there's some people like oh there's so much aim assist it makes it way easier it's like "Mm -hmm." and if you want a more challenging experience play it on nightmare because that it the game straight up tells you it's not fair and it's not um so because i definitely tried it on nightmare and ultra violence and i got farther than i would have thought i would on ultra violence i got through the first half of the first level on a nightmare because it's, it's just straight up not fair. Um, so, so yeah, so it, it does make the game easier. So when it gets, when everything is getting really weird and really frantic, the fact that the, the, the game will kind of assist you makes it feel more fair, like, you know, more right. So when you miss, you really missed. Here's the weird thing is there is honest to God, no Y axis in this game, mm-hmm. which is weird when you are standing on the edge of a cliff and there is an imp 50 feet below you who is hitting the crap out of you, right? Because that is a thing that can happen because you are just on in the exact same, you know, X axis as it. It doesn't matter that you're five stories up. It is still preventing you from getting off of the platform because as far as the game concerned, it is right in front of you and hitting you. That was a weird experience. So I remembered that that was a thing that happened because, and I was, I was planning to save this for the end, but this is as good a time as any to mention it. (laughs) Uh, There was a book called masters of doom that I read a number of years ago, just because it looked interesting. Um, And I, I highly recommend it to anyone because it's just an interesting book. But if you care at all about video games or, you know, early PC games or John Romero's career or how this game impacted it, like any of these would be really good reasons to read this book because it's all about the technology that went into it and the, their culture and how they were, you know, kind of these goofy guys just wanting to like be, make this crazy over the top video game. And, one of the things that I've I've seen, and I, I don't have a link for this, I apologize. Link for the modding community and for Masters of Doom actually are in the show notes, but I don't have a link for this YouTube video. Uh, I tried to find it, I just couldn't find it. Um, where they explain that the reason there is no Y-axis is not a design choice. There literally isn't. And every time hmm. you think you're going up, the world is actually just being rendered to look that way. Like, technically, hmm. everything is happening on at the zero on the Y axis. It's just when you're going up, the world is animated in such a way that it appears that you're going up when you're going down. The world is animated in such a way that it appears you're going down. But for the purposes of enemies existing in the world, they it's a binary either they're on the same plane as you or they're not. And that's it. And the places that this is most obvious in the game is in some of the the episode two levels where you're in like these large buildings, like because you're looking for the the portal to hell. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can see an imp way off, like up in a window. And the reason they're up in that window is because they can like shoot their little fireball down at you but they're not shooting it down at you. They're shooting it in a straight line and it is being animated to appear to be coming down to you because 
technically you are on the same level as them, but sometimes that logic breaks and you fire your gun and it shoots straight into the wall in front of you, but they're shooting fireballs apparently down at you at an angle. And so in these very specific levels, in these circumstances, especially on easier difficulties, if you can just stand there and take damage and try to shoot them, you can eventually figure out like, ah, if I'm at this distance, the game logic has decided we are not on the same axis. And if I'm at this distance, then it will allow me to shoot them. And it's, it's again, it, it's, it's one of those things that like, yeah, when you see behind the curtain, you're like, oh, huh, weird. But it's because this is so for the time, this was such advanced technology that they just literally had no way to make the game they wanted to make and build in this three-dimensional logic. So everything is happening on a 2D plane. Everything in this game is happening. Mm. Like, do you ever, uh, did you open the map at all in the PS4 version? Yeah. Is it, is it still like the line, the super thin colored lines? Yeah, that is the way the game engine sees the game. Everything is actually happening on that 2D plane. And it's technologically, it's super fascinating. And what's actually most impressive about it is how seldom it interferes with gameplay. Yeah, how seldom you're, you see behind that curtain. You can count on one hand the number of times that, you know, I was like, huh, that's weird. I couldn't shoot a guy or I couldn't do whatever, you know, like it, it, it breaks considering how much of an illusion they're pulling off that all of it's happening in two dimensions, like the, the scope of that, you know, just kind of like be, if somebody said, yeah, you know, you're jacked into a matrix, right. And be like, wow, this must be an incredibly advanced civilization. No, it's somebody playing animal crossing actually. And you're like, wait, my entire consciousness is being streamed on animal crossing right now. It's like, yeah. And it took me 35 years to realize it. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty imp- I mean, like, I'm not even mad, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, no, th- I mean, that it is. And, and this happens. It happens. You know, we talked about it with the visuals. We talked about it with the audio. And now we're talking about it with the mechanics. It's like the sheer trick that they're essentially pulling off is just staggering, which is why, like, I, I really like no matter how you feel about this game, if you care at all about games in general, Masters of Doom is just a super, super interesting read. And if you're the kind of person who likes audiobooks, the audiobook is read by Will Wheaton, which makes it doubly nerdy. Nice. Will Wheaton's a pretty nice guy. <laughs> um, uh, so w- w- what's our time at? I want to be respectful of people's time, but I got like a, a I, I kind of want to do a lightning round of. Uh, I don't know, dude, of we're, other- we're, ju- we're just getting started. We got all night. Sweet, sweet. Um, so everybody's just you know, get, get it. Hang out, hang with us. Um, okay, so uh, one of the big things that this game does that has fallen out of vogue recently, but is starting to come back, which is that you got health. Um, not a lot of first-person shooters do that anymore. Um, most of them do the you get hit and the screen turns a little red. And as the screen gets redder and redder, you are closer and closer to death. And then when you it gets ultimately red, you die, which is to say that um, in many modern games, it is it is a matter of how many hits you can take in X amount of time versus having an ultimate amount of health. Uh, game designers do that generally because the idea is it's really easier to design around because any area you're walking into, you are, the game designer knows you're at full health, basically. You know, so the game that is reasonable for the game designer to say, like, if you get hit more than X time in Y, more than X times in Y time, you are playing the game too poorly. Try again. Right. 
Now, in Doom, on the other hand, uh, you could walk into an area, and if you're at 13% health, that is a completely different experience than if you're at 200% health. You can absolutely save scum your way into a corner, you know, uh, and then just be like, well, I'm screwed now because literally 13% health is not enough health for me to get past this area. Um, so, but what that does do, however, is encourage exploration, which is absolutely something that they wanted to do because there's plenty of health items scattered around the level. You got to go find them, you know? So if you just continually plow forward, if you're good enough, then yeah, you can get away with that. But if you take a lot of hits, then you're going to stop from it and be like, all right, I need to go back through this level and really overturn everything to see if I can find those stim packs that I need um, because I'm at like, 25% health. So I've, I've got to go back and explore. Um, and in a game where exploring the level is absolutely something they want you to do. Um, I don't think that there was another choice at the time because the, <laughs> the other, <laughs> the other thing I described hadn't really come into play yet, but this, if it, if the game was made today, which it is in doom eternal and doom 2016, this mechanic should be kept. And it was, um, so that portion of it is still a good idea and a good decision. Well, and I, I do want to specifically note, um, save scumming because one advantage of playing this on a PC is there's something re- especially cause I have a big RGB mechanical keyboard. That's like super leap gamer. Right. And it's just, it's really satisfying to hit escape enter on save game, go to the game you want to save over with the arrow keys and then hit enter and then escape again and be like right back in the action. Like it's the, the kind of hand positions you have to do saving are unique to saving, right? You don't really press those buttons in any other capacity when you're playing the game, they're menu buttons, right? And so so there's just something really tactilely satisfying about saving like in the thick of combat And what I ended up with was something that just made my nostalgia meters burst at the top, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, which is I had uh, like I was, I had a couple different saves going simultaneously on different difficulties. Um, But on any of them, say like on normal, right? I had normal, which meant I was at the start of a level and like that was, I could load that save at any time. Then I had normal two, which meant I was in a level, but I was pretty confident that my position was defensible. I either had a lot of health or a lot of ammunition or whatever, but like I could also load that save in whatever my you know current level was and that that would be safe. Then I had normal 3. Normal 3 you Don't want normal 3. Yeah, normal 3 <laughs> was I'm not highly confident that I can get out of the corner I've painted myself into, (laughs) but I'm at least willing to try. Right. And what's really satisfying is when you think you've painted yourself into a corner corner and you load your normal three save and you go through and you fight yourself out. And then because you were so good at what you, your job is and you got a bunch of health and armor, then when you save, you don't save over normal three, you save over normal two. And you're like, I actually upgraded my situation in like, a permanent fixture way that I can see like this little, you know, trophy to my success in that last otherwise garbage encounter. And it's just like doing that on a keyboard felt really, really satisfying. So I had a similar system in the sense that on the PlayStation version, um, you hit, you pause the game 
and you could just hit R1 to quick save and L1 to quick load, right? Um, so those were my, I'm pretty confident I've got this. If I was like, ooh, I don't know, I'd actually legitimately save the file. So I would legitimately save it when I would, you know, quit for the night just because I didn't really trust quick save enough like I should, but I don't know, paranoia. Um, especially because, and just one thing worth noting about this game is that if you die, um, you uh, you can absolutely restart the level with just with just the pistol. And that's super not enough in some cases. Like, I, I literally do not know on the level gotcha, like, how that would even be possible if you didn't go in with just some kind of ammunition. But anyway, no, it, it, it genuinely seems like saving well is a feature of the game that they expect you just like they expect you to know how to fire your gun. They expect you to know how to save, how to save tactically for your skill level as a player. And it's yes, because the, the PC version also has quick save built in, but just because the menus are super fast to navigate and the saving is super fast, right? To write to disc is, uh, I just never bothered with quick save, but it's the same kind of idea where it's just like, I don't, I can't let, the game universe restart me at the beginning of this level with just the pistol. That is the same as starting the game over. Yes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it definitely, um, I, I, like you said, I think that saves coming is expected. It is a core mechanic. If you go into this game expecting it to work like a lot of modern games where it just saves for you at some points that it will not. And you need to be very careful about how you go about saving. Cause there's definitely some areas where like I got through this, but so the phrase Pyrrhic victory is thrown away all too much these days, you know? But yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely this game is great at Pyrrhic victories where you're like, uh, yeah, like I, I got through it, but I'm, I am still dead, you know, because I am now at the end of the level and the next level, like, I can't start another level like this. Um, so that's, that is a hundred percent a thing. Um, so I do want to touch on, um, med kits. So, Medkits versus uh, the the bonus health, right? That is a, from my my point of view, ingenious catch up mechanic, right? Because here's the thing: is that what do they what, what what do they want to design? They want to design a game where you're kind of on the edge of your seat, right? So how do you do that? Well, um, you can get up to two hundred percent health, but if you get up to two hundred percent health, ninety percent of the things that heal you do not heal you anymore, right? So, because they're very careful about how they use health bonus health, and most of them are in like one percent increments, you know, like it's very rare to find the uh, supercharge and the megasphere. Mm. Um, good job, you know, good good memory. <laughs> I'm actually disproportionately proud of myself, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, those two things are really rare, you know. So, typically, like you know, if I got one of those items, I would be very careful about like how much damage I took, because I'm like, oh, well, I just took. I went from 200% damage to like 150% health, which is fine, but I have no way to recover that 50%. There's med kits abound. I can't recover that. So what that means though, is that you are way more likely to be operating in the, you know, 80% to 30% health range, you know, um, which is great because that's where they want you operating. Because if, if you just had that greater range of 200%, you could get health packs that brought you all the way up to 200%. It would be a lot, a lot harder to design around that because it's like, I have no idea what this guy's coming into it with. But in this case, it's like, well, they're coming in somewhere between zero and 100%. So if I throw two health packs in here, I can tell you that they are somewhere between 50 to 100% health. That is where we're starting 
now I can design around that, you know, um, because they're probably not too much above 100% because after the disaster that they just went through, <laughs> they're probably not. And if they are, then fine. But, you know, I've probably been able to whittle them down to the point where they're not really that much over 100%. So these med kits will bring them back to 100%. And now we've got the design game. So um, I never would have recognized that as a kid. But the fact that those are two decidedly different things is uh, is pretty impressive. Well, I think pretty good game. <laughs> I think as an adult or as someone with like a higher games literacy, this is a place where you are very much seeing behind the curtain. Like you're super aware of what health you can pick up and what armor you can pick up and what health you can't and what armor you can't because of the this like a hundred percent is kind of like the it's like seven on the ph scale it's like yeah only yeah. only certain things are going to make you go up above that right but lots of things will get you up to it but then only certain things are going to make you go up above it and so you sort of need to plan around that and that's a super video gamey thing that is literally the health packs are like boring little white boxes with the, the you know the red plus on them and the the bonus health is like this glowing blue potion, right? So even visually they're like, Hey, these things are different. I think they even make a different noise when you pick them up, but that one I'm not positive about, but I just, that's a video gamey thing where they wear its video gaminess, like pretty proudly. And I think it's okay that they're like, Hey, this is like, these things are different. Think about that and decide how you're going to live in the world where these things are different. Um, One of the things that jumped out at me as being, really a subtle and incredibly sophisticated design choice is um, enemies experience knockback and friendly fire exists. So when they throw a mob of low level enemies at you, part of you is like, Oh God, they're going to overwhelm me. But then the ones in the back start firing. And because as we discussed, everything is happening on a two dimensional plane, they start murdering each other. And sometimes they even turn on each other. And then Mm -hmm. every once in a while, you end up in a situation where there's like two caco demons or two mancubuses or something that if left unchecked will eat your lunch. But because they experience knockback that will prevent them from attacking, you can, if you are really good, actually juggle them where you knock this one back and then you pivot to the other one and then you pivot back and you pivot back and you pivot back. And if you're really good with the controls, you can actually keep them essentially stun locked forever mm-hmm. until they die. And and that's something that is even today, fairly uncommon enemies usually do not have much recoil or knockback. Friendly fire often doesn't exist at all where enemies can just mob you and overwhelm you because they can layer on top of each other. And it, it's, it sucks. Like it's not a fun experience when it's like, Oh, they physically don't exist for each other. But for me, they all exist. Right. And to have such an early game decide not only are we going to make them respond when they get shot because hey they got shot why wouldn't they respond but then to also say and if they shoot each other they'll die eventually and they will respond as if they've been shot like that's I, I don't know why but for some reason that just jumps out at me as being incredibly generous to the player but also thinking for way forward in time about like what would make this game feel so real, right? This game about hunting demons feel so real that even 30 years later, the inclusion of this design choice will feel like the obvious right design choice. 
Well, and I think that you you hit the nail on the head, which is that what it does is, first of all, the game is ruthlessly predictable in the sense that like enemies will can and will shoot each other. And when shot, the enemy will turn around like it will if it sees you, it's going to come for you. But if it if it gets shot and it doesn't have a lock onto you, it'll just turn around and start murdering somebody else, which means that all of that stuff that the player can plan around. Right. And so that then so like, you know, it's like, oh, well, um, I've got the super shotgun. Why in the world would I ever use the normal shotgun? It's like, well, because the super super shotgun takes up twice as much ammunition and it has a wider spread. So if you want to deal more damage in a in a tighter line, you need to use the normal shotgun. If you want to come be more able to stun lock a bad guy, you got to use the chain gun. That's what the chain gun's for. You know, so there were definitely enemies where I was just kind of like, "Oh god," especially when I was just suddenly hit and panicked, I would switch to the chain gun because they can't, especially if they've got, you know, a projectile type weapon, a lot of times they can't wind up and fire that with that and the plasma rifle. They can't hit you, you know, if you've just got the one. So, yeah, if you totally if you got three or four of them and you can line them out so that way, bad guy A is behind bad guy B. So you're only fighting them one at a time then you can absolutely just hold down your uh, plasma rifle and then just murder house them. And on top of that. It, you can kind of get a feel for how many shots it takes. So literally I would like hold down the plasma rifle and then be like, and about now, and then just release the the trigger and then they would, they would die, you know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm glad that you, you touched on that because uh, juggling the enemies, all of that is uh, to me, what makes some of the higher level difficulties possible, you know? So when it was, so the thing is that, you know, if you say like, well, how many enemies are there on, uh, you know, normal versus ultra violence, right? And it's like, there's twice as many enemies. You're like, well, that would be impossible. It's like, kind of, but they some, some, they kind of fight each other a little bit. Um, so the one fun thing with that is uh, literally when, you know, you go into a room and en- they all start fighting each other and you're like, yeah, yeah, kill each other. Yeah, that's, oh crap, they saw me. And then like, you know, because one of them sees you, so you then shoot them. So now they've all turned around and you're like, oh crap, you know, like that. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you're, you're juggling that while trying to keep them all fighting each other to a degree and trying to cycle through your weapons based not off of which one deals the most damage, but on which one's the right tool for the job you know so all of that is uh is just remarkable like you said in the game of um of this way of, of this of this era um the um one other thing that so just two other one minor thing and, and one uh one minor and one major arcana um so uh the, the the minor thing is they do give you a score at the end of each level, which I kind of like because it definitely, again, if exploration is a thing that they want you to do, and the fact they're like, ah, you only got 50% of the secrets. Like, that was kind of cool. Um, on Nightmare Difficulty, you can get more than 200% kills, which... Um, oh, uh, yeah. that's because um, on... The enemies respond. Endlessly. Yes. And on, yeah. only on that difficulty. Every other difficulty has a set amount of enemies that are specifically placed, and only on Nightmare do they spawn endlessly. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it was just funny, because I was like, I'm going to try it on Nightmare, and I got through the first level, I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. But it was like, kills, <laughs> 230 percent I was like, oh, something's up. And then that's when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, okay, because they're actually, they were respawning. Because at one point, I'm like, how many bodies are there? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> Um, I've just, I, I've, you know, I am literally just only using the blood-soaked ammunition of the enemies that I've killed to get through this. I have not found any ammunition about the stage. I am only using clips I have pulled off of zombies' bodies, which actually brings me to the other point I want to talk about, which is the fact that there's two ways to get supplies. Now, health is health, right? But as far as ammunition goes, um, 
there's uh, ammunition in like there, there's stuff strewn about the level, right? But also some bad guys drop ammunition and some do not. The demons don't, humans do, right? So that's fascinating to me because that basically changes kind of that 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 informs enemy placement. You know, because they're like if you'll notice, even at the final level, you'll still see shotgun dudes, you know? Like they're they're low level enemies. What are they even doing out there? It's like because you need ammunition and they don't want it to always be a box of shotgun shells. You know, like okay, well you got here. So then all of a sudden I started running the ROI calculation on baddies, right? Because I'm like, okay, well when I kill this guy, he drops a shotgun which gives me four rounds, which means that if I kill him, I net three rounds. But so there's five of those in there, which means that I can technically net positive 15 rounds, but it takes me three rounds to kill, you know, like or it takes me two shots generally to kill the pink demons and one shot to kill them. Well, so now there's this many enemies in here. So that means my best case scenario, I'm going to net negative four rounds of ammo. So that's not good. I need to, <laughs> I need to find out another solution because I've only got three rounds. I do not have enough shotgun shells to get through this area. Now, is everyone doing that calcul- calculus? <laughs> Probably not, but it's there and that's cool. Well, and, and uh, the, I, I, like I said, I haven't played the modern Doom games, but the modern Doom games apparently decided that violence is the primary way you should recover resources. Uh, and I think, in fact, in Doom Eternal, it's maybe even the only way to get resources or the the overwhelmingly primary way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it dwarfs. <laughs> it, I mean, like like in every way possible. I mean, honestly, for my own seat, like I, Doom Eternal is fine, but um, it is... <laughs> it is closer to a resource management game than it is to like a doom game. I think that they're, they're kind of starting to push that boundary to a point where it's like, literally you're saying like, okay, I need to do, I'm low on this. So I need to kill this guy this way to get them to drop this stuff. And now I'm low on this other resource, you know? So, yeah, but you, uh, it's but you can see the seeds of that idea where they were like, yes. Oh, what if sometimes the ability to kill more enemies was locked behind efficiently killing these enemies. Right. And that's like any mechanic you can go too far, but it's interesting to see the seeds of that going all the way back to the beginning. Um, I have one other thing that I wanted to uh, make sure I specifically call out. And then I think I'm good, uh, which is you mentioned cheat codes and I was curious how much or how little we would talk about cheat codes, but I want to say this specific thing to kind of tie my feelings up about the game. Uh, I mentioned several times now, this game is a game and this game is super aware that it's a game and really proud of the fact that it's a video game and nowhere, nowhere is that more true than when you fight the final boss because the, the final boss is a wall with an exposed brain that looks like uh, the stereotypical, you know, Satan goat skull head, and it launches these little demon boxes out and those little demon boxes turn into a variety of enemies that super murder you. If you are not paying attention, that's the entire final level. Uh, it's just that giant tiered room with the elevator walls and, and the big skull face. If you type in the code ID clip, or, uh, Mm -hmm. I think you can also just do no clip. Um, Mm -hmm you can clip through the demon wall and see the severed head of John Romero on a spike. Yep. And yep. you realize that when you are shooting rockets through the the brain, 
you're not actually hitting the brain. If you look closely, they're going through the brain, which is a great way to tell the player there's something back there, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. not exploding on contact with the brain, but they are obviously causing damage. And if you go inside the monster's head, you see that the demon's brain is the head of John Romero and you can attack him directly. And he makes like this, you know, anguish face, like he's crying out in pain. And the fact that that the true ending, if you want, right, the true final boss (laughs) is hidden behind a cheat code. There is nothing you can do in game to get to that forces you as the player to accept the fact that the cheat codes are a mechanic of the game. And what that made me realize is that the cheat codes are as thoughtfully weaved into the game DNA, maybe not as, as polished in a way, but as thoughtfully weaved into the game DNA as the assist mode is into Celeste. Mm, if, nice. if, yep. if you're lost and you cannot figure out where a key is, clip through the wall and just go to the exit. If you are low on ammo, just give yourself more ammo. If you're really, really stuck and you just want to get to the next level, turn on God mode. Like these are things that you can just turn on and off with a couple keystrokes or I'm sure there's probably a menu on the the PS4 or any of the console versions, right? Like these are things that they don't just say like, oh, well, if you're if you had a cool friend who gave you their notebook with all the cheat codes in it. No, these are like core mechanics of the game that they expect you to enjoy using just like you can enjoy using any of the guns or solving problems in a handful of different ways. The cheat codes are really, we called them cheat codes, but now if you look at how they're woven into the game, it's really a kind of assist mode. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really salient observation. I, I, I completely agree. And yeah, it's in the, the new one's just a menu. Um, the, the one final minor note that I had was, um, I really, the level design is here. I miss sometimes there's a lot of places where there, the, the enemy placement is, I think I just really enjoyed it. Um, in the sense that there was at least, at least a dozen or so times where like you, you, you walk into a room and there's a bunch of like nondescript, like kind of like jutting out areas and there's the key that you need and you're like, there's demons behind those doors, isn't there? I I know there's demons behind those doors. Like so, but the thing is that you know, like it's it it builds tension. Like, cause you know what's going to happen, you know. Like, so the minute that you're like, okay, 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 I'm going to get this key, I'm going to turn around and you know shoot all these bad guys, right? Or like you you know you're walking down a hallway and you're like, all right, man, you know, like a a, a, a green armor that's pretty sweet, pretty sweet. All right, some med packs, cool. But backpack full of ammo oh no you know like (laughs) (laughs) so so the fact that the game again it's a game it's very gamey so the fact that it telegraphs those things to you to be like hey here's a whole bunch of stuff no reason you're like no there's a reason isn't there you're gonna hit me again aren't you you know like it's (laughs) i just i I don't know like so i really enjoyed the enemy placement especially because one of the things i said to megan was uh i was like this game should just be the lessons learned for police officers in training, learning how to clear a room. Because every time I went barreling into a room without checking my corners first, um, I got my lunch yet because there was always bad guys there. And I know that that's like a thing where, you know, like you, they, they, they train police officers. Like when you enter a room, make sure that, you know, like you enter, you know, two by two and that this person turns left and this person turns right because people hide in these areas. And every time I didn't follow that rule, I got my lunch yet. So I just, I enjoyed the enemy placement. Well, I'm, I mean, do, do you mind if we 
because there's a great segue, I think, into whether or not it held up on a transition. So what I really believe about this game, if I haven't said it enough times, is uh, this game is a game, and it's really proud of the fact that it's a video game that is meant to be enjoyed. And uh, the the factoid that I've been saving for this moment is Doom and Doom 2 are about empowering the player. Doom 2016 mm-hmm. and Doom Eternal are about empowering the player. Doom 3 desperately wanted to be Resident Evil. And it turned out yes. that that's not why people play Doom. Because nope. for all of the hell imagery and the blood and the gore and the demons and the the things jumping out of corners, this game is not scary. Nothing mm-hmm. about this game is scary. This is like that weird kid. Maybe you were this weird kid who sat in class in middle school and like drew skulls and blood and zombies and stuff like it's it's a child's idea of the kind because they don't understand death and and hell and those things aren't scary to them they're just novel like that's that is why doom 3 kind of sucked and most people who were fans of doom didn't love it but doom 1 doom 2 doom 2016 and doom eternal are super successful because people come to doom to be the doom guy right later renamed doom slayer right they they want to be i know it's it's cliche to death at this point but like you're not trapped on earth with the demons the demons are trapped on earth with you like the reason you go find the portal to hell is because they're all trying to leave they're like there's this one guy who like won't stop killing us right (laughs) and so i it is with a fairly heavy heart that like I have to give this game a nostalgia monocle because the first off, you cannot play it with the original controls. So like if we're, if we're being true to form, this game is unplayable with the original controls. So even if you were going to give it no nostalgia goggles, you have to slap the asterisk on there. The thing that pushed me into monocle territory is the 12 year old. It, we know this is a video game humor. Like it started to wear on me hard and i i think if i'd been able to play the game over a longer time instead of the the compressed review time and i could have spaced it out a little more i might have been more tolerant of that but it it got me to the point where i was just like john romero you're very clever um can i please just play your video game can i where (laughs) can you please make me not have to go look up which wall to hump like that that feeling just eventually wore me down and it, and it bummed me out because there's so much about this game that I love and that I would highly recommend and really do go read masters of doom. It's a phenomenal book and play the game, but just like be willing to stop when you're bored because I, I just, I was like, ah, oh, damn, like I'm, this is a sad nostalgia monocle. There, there's a tear of, of frustration behind this nostalgia monocle. Cause I wanted to give it no nostalgia goggles required so bad, but I was like between original controls being unacceptable and the trolley level design. I was just like, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta do the right thing. Gotta go with my heart. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I, I can respect that. You're wrong, um, but I can respect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, so again, you definitely do have to be the asterisk of the fact that yes, it, the the original controls are just straight up broken. But kind of the way I, again, the way I'm sidestepping that logically is that it's it's just like saying, you know, like, oh well, 
if you want to play this old video game, you have to emulate it. Like because the software, the hardware that the game was played on no longer exists and you cannot find it. So, um, and, and on top of that, I don't think that people are likely to, I think that if you say like, Hey, you know, like, Hey, I think I'm going to go boot up doom and, and give it a shot. Like you're unlikely to come across, you're more likely to come across the version of it that has been fixed than the version of it that that has not. If you buy this on Steam, because you could buy Doom 2, the original Doom 2 on Steam, and it runs it in an emulator for you, so it's not a modernized version. It really is the old version with the single caveat that when you launch it, it says, you want good controls or <sighs> controls? And it defaults yeah. to good controls. But in every other way, you are playing the original you know, emulated, so it's like even getting that close to the, the source, right? They're still like, eh, but you know, the mouse. <laughs> yeah, but, but don't. Um, so all that being said is, uh, yeah, I definitely think that there were some things about the game that I didn't, that I don't think held up, but overall, uh, the game as a whole, I, I, I definitely think it held up. I mean, honestly, I, I enjoyed playing this game. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's one that I could pretty much, if you like the genre of first person shooters, I could pretty unabashedly, um, you know, recommend it. So, uh, so yeah, so for me personally, uh, no nostalgia goggles required so much so that, uh, you know, I think that, that the best way that we could, uh, that we could, you know, try to see whether or not like, like, like where this game has gone, right. They would still be nostalgic in, uh, in, in principle, right. Would be if we, we were to play like, I don't know, like, like doom 2016. I want to play doom 2016. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head. From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creep in With the edge of a smile You realize again What you lost for a while You're gonna think back much less 